Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. Kevin A.C., Padres beat writer for the Union Tribune. Ryan Finley, sports editor of the Union Tribune. I'm in Minnesota looking down on Target Field as I speak. Uh, Ryan, it's uh, it's real interesting. Padres Dodgers, we got to talk about that. we got to talk about, uh, you know, just how, how close it was. What does that mean? Uh, mm-hmm. Where are the Padres? We're in this, like... I think this was pretty predictable as much as we all thought like the Potters would be seven, eight, nine games above. They're one game above 500. They're floundering. I look back and it's kind of like in spring training. I remember thinking, gosh, I wonder what will happen if the Padres are just sort of middling for a while in the season. What will I be writing? What will people be saying? Now I'm living it. Uh, It really should have been predictable. Uh, What are your thoughts? Where do you want to start? Well, you know, the third place in the division, right? Uh, <laughs> I know it's too early to look at the standings, but obviously this is the stuff that, that our readers and Padre fans are, are um, to be honest, freaking out about. Um, and I thought that you brought some much-needed levity today. A great story uh, we posted yesterday. It's in today's Union Tribune about how this start is both cause for some concern and a little bit of hope. Your basic point being there's still a game over 500, despite the fact that they're really not hitting – I mean, they're not on all cylinders yet. They're nowhere close to all, on all cylinders yet. And yet they're still right in the thick of things. Uh, speak to that a little bit. I really thought what uh, Xander Bogarts told you a little bit about this team was uh, was really interesting. Yeah, I, I thought so too. I know that that's not the greatest thing to hear over and over. Look, it's not the greatest thing to write over and over, right? Like, you're like, oh, am I doing this? Uh, yeah, you know why? Because it makes sense, right? It, 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 it is reality. I don't know how we, and by that I mean the media, fans, I don't know how we survived for three months last season. The Padres arrived in Chicago, or I'm sorry, in Colorado from Chicago on June 17th. They were in first place. That late in a season, by the way, it was June 6th, it was June 16th they arrived, but uh, began playing that series on the 17th. That late in the season, the 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 latest they've been in first place in the National League West in a season since 2012. From that day through September 15th, so do the math, that's three months, five games under 500, 37 mm-hmm. and 42. How did we survive? And didn't, they clinch a, didn't they clinch a playoff spot by losing also? They, I'm sorry? Didn't they clinch a playoff spot by losing a game last yeah. year? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I get your point. Yeah. I get your point. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. it's like, yeah, exactly. I mean, like, oh, that's right. Like, backed into the playoffs. Oh, okay. Um, backed into the playoffs because of all the wins they got before that. So, right. you know, it is like, I mean, yeah. Here's my one of my favorite sayings. You know why? Because we're so polar now, right? You're left. You're right. You're wrong. You're right. I should write a song. But you, you, you can't be two things. Yes, you can. You can be 20 things. I am 20 things. Like, it can be true that they suck right now. It can be true that, you know, there's certain aspects of their team, like, that are playing really well. All right? They're a good base running team. That doesn't mean stolen bases. They're pitching as well, maybe better than you expected. I mean, Joe Musgrove went, what, um, he went five uh, yesterday or Sunday First guy all week to not have a quality start. Uh, the bullpen has been mostly good. Uh, they play good defense. They're not hitting well. Okay? There's no way around it. One game over 500 ain't going to get it done. It's um, it's May 9th, and they're here to play the Twins. We can talk about them. This is a winning team that has played a bunch of crap teams. Um, you know, we'll see. It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, just uh, just wild. I mean, one of the – and here's the thing too, Kevin. I mean, the role of – 
of you as a journalist and the role of us in the media here too, especially as a newspaper, paper of record, all of that, is to provide some perspective. If this was a team that was five or six games over 500 or eight or nine games over 500, and if they had some glaring errors and some real problems, you'd be writing that, hey, their record says that they're great, but they still have these things that they need to improve on. Um, you know, there's nothing sexy about saying it's a long season, but it's a long season. Uh, right? Ryan, you bringing that up is bring, brings to mind two things. And I love this mm-hmm. podcast for the opportunity we have to talk about this stuff. Mm-hmm. And 100% guaranteed that if they were in this great stretch and I wrote, but, you know, mm-hmm. yada, yada, right? Here's mm-hmm. what maybe some things to look at. Sure. I would be getting emails and other missives telling me that I should go somewhere else that I, you know, wow, why are you doing this? Um, oh yeah. Ha ha. You're saying this. What a, what a, um, why you got to be like this when they're five games over, you know why I know that for a fact? Cause it happens to me every single time. Right. Do you mind if I bring up a column that evidently ran in our paper today? Yes, please do. Here's why I like, I was, I personally look at it as, you know, I, I wasn't a good columnist. I didn't like being a columnist mm-hmm. because I, I like to tell people what is, okay? Mm-hmm. And I don't value my opinion that much that I want to foist it on other people, all right? Mm-hmm. Dylan Hernandez is a fantastic columnist because he doesn't care about either of those things. Mm-hmm. I'm, um, I'm, 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 I'm talking about Dylan Hernandez of the Los Angeles Times who had a column that uh, the Padres were chargering. They're the new chargers. Mm-hmm. Um, and and um, if you want to just talk about it on the merits of a column, it was a fantastic column. It riled people up. Mm -hmm. Uh, It made a lot of bombastic points. There was some accurate things in there. There were some other things you can differ with. That's, Mm -hmm. that's the point of a column. Dylan doesn't care, even though he's very well aware that Mm -hmm. in a month, the Padres could have gone 20 and five. And that column that he wrote will look ridiculous. If Mm -hmm. you know, you were going to take it all that seriously. Sure. He doesn't care. I did. I did. And as a beat writer, it matters to me that you guys know what's happening and, mm-hmm. and what it might mean and, and all that. But it's not my job to give you opinion or, or all that much um, mm-hmm. analysis, maybe. And there might be a fine line between the two. But like that, that's something that, that I care about and that is actually in my job description is to give you perspective. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's the opposite of what, you know, a columnist's job is. Uh, and, and mm-hmm. I appreciate, I, I like, I knew when I read it, I'm like, as a column, this is a fantastic column and you all are going to hate it. <laughs> right. Well, and nothing, nothing's going to tick off a San Diego fan more than being compared to the chargers. Right. To me, what I thought was interesting about it, and, and this is a really subtle point, you cover the chargers, the origin of chargering stemmed from the fact that they always had a ton of good players and did not play to the level of the talent on the I They had Hall of Fame, future Hall of Famers, superstar guys, and just weren't as good as the sum of their parts. I think this Padre team through a month of the season is not nearly as good as the sum of its parts. Is that fair? Yes. The Chargers often arose from their postseason failures right. uh, or, you know, uh, last second or last, you know, second half failures. Missed uh, field goals. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. You know, there's no perfect comparison, um, but yes, <laughs> it's just so awesome. And this is the worst sport in terms of all this to cover or to follow as a fan, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's so long because mm-hmm. a single game or even a single series or even a single like month don't mean that much. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it, 
So it's the hardest one to sort of um, keep your perspective and it's the hardest one to get worked up over. So, you know, there we are. Uh, I, I just, uh, I, I wanted to be able to talk about that. You don't get to talk about that like in print very much. I just think that's great about our, our, our podcast gives us that, that opportunity. All right. Uh, Padres Dodgers, anything else that we want to cover on that? Uh, yeah, I think Juan Soto is worth talking about. Uh, okay. Tom Krasovic had something about Juan Soto in Monday's paper saying essentially that the clock is ticking that uh, on him that no longer can we say, hey, it's a small sample size. He's been a Padre for about half a season's worth of at-bats. Um, looking on the Chiron here, I mean, he's hitting 220 uh, with a slugging of 398. OPS of 779, not bad. But, you know, this is a guy who's still not delivering. We thought that he had turned things around. But, you know, Mexico City may have been a little bit of fool's gold. Um, but where, where is he right now? Where's his head right now? And, you know, Kevin, have you seen improvements? To Juan's credit, he uh, was the first one to say, I'm not going to say I've turned it around because I've said that a million times before. I believe he used that number. Uh, and, and so to his credit there, I personally, and I think I said it here, I think um, when uh, people were pointing out that he was swinging better, I was like, okay, well, as I always say, not a coach, not a scout, but I don't see it because I still see some of the same things, even though we went two for four a certain night. Like I still see some of the same things. So I, I didn't see that. Um, but OK. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly he uh, he still is is perplexing to me. Um, still a dangerous hitter. I, I, I try to really not let recency bias or like. You know, the, the, the colored glasses that I'm wearing uh, affect, like some people have, have said, you know, you just don't feel like he's going to get it done when he comes to the plate. Oh, OK. I, I still do. I mean, he's Juan Soto, for God's sake. Um, you know, there's pitchers still respecting him. Uh, but, yeah, I get why you would also say you don't feel like he's going to get it done because he hasn't. <laughs> but, um, but, I mean, I still stop what I'm doing when he bat when he's at bat. There you go. You know, don't you? I mean, yeah. well, you have to, but you know, yeah. I, I think well, I continue people, what I'm doing. Right. Exactly. I think most people, I mean, one way or another, stop what they're doing when Juan Soto's hitting. Um, I think his approach is still pretty good. I mean, it, it's just, there's something missing there. And I think that that really can't, I mean, we could talk about the Padres blowing a one nothing lead in the ninth inning of Sunday's game. The fact is it shouldn't have been one nothing at that point. Anyway, it was it two, one, two or maybe two. One. One, I'm sorry. A one run lead. It should have been a, a two-run lead or more uh-huh. at that point based on the opportunities that were squandered. The the top of the order uh, after Tatis gets on, and I, I wrote about it. I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's basically like uh, in that series, it was, um, you know, combined Soto, Machado, Bogarts, like one for 12 or something like that. Mm-hmm. It might have been worse. It was, it was 0 for 3. They're, they mm-hmm. They were only 1 for 4 with runners in scoring position on Sunday. And those guys, uh, after Sullivan doubled, uh, in the first or not in the first, sorry. Uh, it was it Sunday that that, no, that was Saturday's game. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, but, and then there was also in Sunday's game, they were over. So that's, that's how it's going for all the other things we want to talk about. Like mm-hmm. if the two and three hitters were getting their jobs done, we probably like, that would be, you know, what would be happening? It would be what you just talked about. They'd have a much better record, and and, I, and I'd be like sitting here, oh, that's great, and I'd be writing about all that, and then I'd be nitpicking. But you know what, Austin Nola. But you right. know what, Hassan Kim. You, you know what about the um, number five hitter with the the de- designated hitter? I'd be writing about all that, saying, you know, those guys are going to have to come through too. But here, this is why the Padres invested all this money is so that you know Juan Soto and Manny Machado could carry them. That's what yeah. we'd be saying if that were happening. Well, sure. now we're saying, 
oh, they're 18 and 17 because the guys that they invested in to come through more often are not mm-hmm. coming through. I sure. mean, but that is that is huge. Like they are among these two guys who between salary and, and bonus are both making $23 million this year, $46 million uh, for Juan Soto and, and Manny Machado. And they are a bottom 10 two, three combination in terms of OPS. They are a bottom 10 two, three combination. Wow. Wow. And again, worth noting Juan Soto's OPS is actually higher than Manny Machado's at this point. Because of that 381 on base, if I'm not mistaken, sure. it's 381, yeah. but yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, th- that's wild. It- it's so funny, Kevin. Um, every episode th- that we have here, uh, John Kelly, our producer, uh, has a little video in in the beginning is is part of our intro. And the player that he picks, he is always very talented. Padres fan, so yeah. yeah. J- John's been following, and today it was Brett Sullivan. So let's yeah. talk about Brett Sullivan. Uh, I asked you last week if this meant that he's going to get the lion's share of the at bats, and you said, ah, lots of people still like Austin Nola. Um, this is a guy who you know, probably is not going to do what Campusano was going to be asked to do if Campusano was healthy. Has your opinion changed on that? Well, my, uh, it's still the same in terms of, you know, a lot of people like Austin Nola. Sure. You can like him. And if you're doing what's best for the team, you mm-hmm. say Austin Nola needs to have fewer at-bats. Okay. Uh, you know, you've, you've been waiting and waiting. I, I've tried to like, you know, look and take portions of the season. And th- there's mm-hmm. just, there's one 11 game portion in which Austin Nola hit better than 200. All right, he hit 206 for a, for a time there in April. Uh, he, he worse the people that you talk to inside and outside of the organization. He slowed down, and I don't know if it's catching. You know, I mean, remember he is what is it 32 now? But mm-hmm. but like he's it was late in life that uh, he became a catcher. Late in baseball sure. life, you know. If that's if 32 is late in life, then oh, we all uh, got problems. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but but. There, yeah, there, there appears that there will be a shift. Now, look, uh, what do we got going tonight? We got uh, Waka, Lugo, Darvish. Look, it lines up for Nola after a day off to catch Waka, Sullivan to catch Lugo as he has been, and then with the day game for uh, Nola to come back and catch Darvish. You know, again, I read into and Bob Melvin's fairly easy to read into because he is a, a candid as much as you know a manager can be. You always have to grade the, him on a curve uh, because he can't tell you everything. But but in terms of reading between the lines, when Bob Melvin doesn't dismiss a question about Brett Sullivan's playing time, you know that might Brett Sullivan get more opportunity, and he doesn't dismiss it. And he not only says do, doesn't dismiss it, he goes on to say, you know, he's been hitting better. Austin hasn't, so we'll see. Read between the lines, yeah, you would seem to think. Plus, you know, it was the sixth inning against the Dodgers in a one-run game that he took out the catcher that he and the pitching staff value very much defensively. He pinch hit for him with Brett Sullivan, and Brett Sullivan finished out the game. I think that was a pretty big deal. At, at what point has Austin Nola become Austin Hedges? Well, he already is. I mean, I mean, he's Austin Hedges without the power. Yeah, uh, you know, Austin Hedges would run into 14 home runs or whatever. It would yeah, be. so, yeah. so, um, but, but he is. I mean, if there's a, I was looking the other day, I can't remember which it was, but I mean, it's not going to surprise any Padres fans or, you know, Guardians fans to that, for that, um, uh, you know, fact, uh, that, that these are two of the worst hitting catchers in the, in the majors in terms of right. guys that still continue to get playing time. Right. right. And at some point, you overvalue defense. And, and I am willing to value defense quite a bit. I cover a team whose manager values defense uh, quite a bit at that position. Um, and, and 
you do see the difference and you hear pitchers, but you know, you know what? It can't always be pitchers that decide who the catcher is because they're only interested in one thing. Right. And, and at some point you do have to wonder if they go, man, it'd be cool. Like I really appreciate what my guy's doing here, but it'd be cool if you give me some run support too. Right. Uh, so uh yeah, we're, we're probably – now, look, we're also uh, – it'll be big. When when does Luis Campusano start a rehab assignment? I, I guess that could be any day if there's not a setback. And then is it five, six games? Uh, you know, so could we be a week, week and a half, two weeks from Campusano coming back? And then we're t- probably, you know, talking about, depending on how he's doing – if he can pick it back up with the bat, uh, we're probably talking about him getting the bulk of, of the playing time. And then do you carry three catchers? Yeah, that's an interesting one. Bob Melvin said they're probably not, you know, uh, pretty, pretty dismissed it. And right. I don't see why not for many reasons. Uh, and Jeff Sanders and I were talking about this the other day. We got into one of those geeky conversations mm-hmm. in the in the press box uh, that we get into. Look, Brett Sullivan uh, is, is a, can run. Right. So it's not like you're just bringing a regular catcher to be your third catcher. He can play. He has played the corner spots in, I believe, both the infield and the outfield. But he's played infield and outfield so he can be an emergency guy. Now, what you do have is if you let go of Rugnet Odor, you're going to lose Rugnet Odor probably. You know, I'm not saying that's not you don't do it because of that, but it's not like Rugnet Odor has options. Right. Like there are roster considerations uh, to think about. So. Probably not, it seems like, but I personally am going to continue to, to um, pursue that avenue to uh, ask that question of why not? Why wouldn't you have Brett Sullivan given all that he gives you? Plus, you've got the designated hitter, and you know what? You've got a pretty regular everyday lineup. You're not like deep, making defensive substitutions for, right. for any of your guys uh, you know, late in games, unless what you did was start Carpenter at first, and then you move Cronenworth from second to first, and you, know, you make substitutions that way but generally speaking you're not so there's not really a reason to not have three catchers if that's what serves you best right you have basically either an all-star or a gold glover at every position except ironically catcher and theoretically a hitter at every position theoretically is it too soon to be looking around the big leagues at catchers who could be had in a trade I think so, because there aren't a lot. If you look around, there's just not a lot of catchers. If there sure. were, right? Like, I mean, in terms of a JT Rio Muto uh, or or whatever, I mean, they're, they're, just, they're just aren't. Um, mm-hmm. There's a reason Wilson Contreras isn't, uh, you know, uh, catching. Uh, there's a reason the Padres weren't going to overpay for him last year. Uh, that... Uh, that said, like, man, would they trade an offensive catcher? I mean, you know, maybe they would. But you do have a pitching staff that you want to, you know, you got good pitchers. And you want your pitchers to be working with a, a good catcher. Right. And if everybody else was hitting, we wouldn't be talking about the catcher not hitting. Uh, right. It would Again, it would be like, oh, yeah, look at here's what Austin Nola has been doing. Yeah, the catchers are last in OPS, whatever. But it wouldn't be like this, right? Right. Absolutely. Kevin, uh, we, just a couple more things here. Uh, you pointed out this morning uh, offline, uh, Seth Lugo is somebody to watch here. He's been pitching great so far to start the season, but there's an, an innings count. And I mean, he's d- d- share with the folks what you told me this morning, because it kind of blew my mind. Well, he's halfway to uh, his total. He's passed halfway to his total last year. 65 innings last year as a reliever for the Mets. 33 and a third, I believe, this year. It's 33-something. Um, now, he believes that Innings are just a number. 
like uh, at least that's what he says, and he seems sincere about it. Like he doesn't think that sixty-five should really play into it. I think he knows in his heart, and the Padres believe that. Yeah, of course it does. Uh, I don't know how soon it will be that his workload will be tapered. I, I don't know that, but it's something to look at when he's halfway there and we're not a quarter of the way uh, through the season. That'll happen at the end of this road trip. So that, that'll be interesting. He starts tomorrow. I think Ryan Weathers is coming up either for Sunday's game in LA or Monday's game, Kansas City, though maybe uh-huh. that would be altered as well. Uh, give you know, just given the way that the starters are going, and you know, now we've got guys starting to go on regular rest, or at least a couple guys, um, and and pitching pretty well. So we'll you know we'll see about that. But that was the plan to have Weathers come up. Uh, so uh, this is an interesting time for uh, for for the for the starters. Absolutely, uh, Kevin. What do you know about the Minnesota Twins? Nineteen and sixteen, five and five over their past ten. What is it? Hold on a second here. Let me make sure I get it right. Nine and eleven over their past twenty. Uh, they pitch very well, uh, though the Padres will not be facing, uh, you know, uh, Kershaw, May, and uh, Urias. This uh, this just it's not that situation. They've got kind of a of a guy who's been up and down. They face tonight. Michael Waco face Louis Varland tomorrow night. You face a real good pitcher. You got Seth Lugo going against Pablo Lopez. Uh, he was their opening day starter. Uh, you know, a little hit or miss, but uh, has had some pretty pretty good uh, pretty good starts. And then a young kid, uh, Yu Darvish, on uh, Thursday afternoon faces Bailey Ober. Uh, health issues thing that have kept this kid down. He's got a sub four ERA in his career, a zero nine eight in three starts uh, this year. So, uh, but health issues have been a thing. And, and, you know, look, I said, it's not uh, Kershaw, May, Urias, but uh, uh, this, they, they got a good bullpen. This is like, if you're the Padres, you come in here and you, you know, you take two or three, you just do this. Um, this is a team like they're six and one, I believe they're six and one against the Royals. All right. I mean, they've played 10 games against teams with winning records. Um, it's the central. They just lost two or three to the Guardians. A couple of weeks ago, they lost two or three to the Nationals. Um, it's it's just they've split with the White Sox. I think they just this past week, they played all division and they lost two or three to the White Sox and two or three to the Guardians, I believe. Um, they hit well at home. They don't hit well overall. I think they're last in batting average, second last in on-base percentage. They do hit home runs. Uh, you know, uh, Joey Gallo has seven. Byron Buxton has eight. Joey Gallo, by the way, is also batting 186. Let me check that. Um, yes, 186. Carlos Correa is batting 193. Um, so, like, you could lose two or three. Because sure. again, it's a, it's a first place team. It uh, pitches well and uh, hits bombs. You should win two or three. I I I, I relish saying that because back in the day, uh, we never said that. We uh, never said that. That that that's that's what the reality is here. Yes, this is a team with a winning record. Yes, I've made sort of a big deal about the Padres' schedule that they've played. But you know what? This is a team that uh, this is a team that you should come in and win the series against. Twins remind me a little bit of the Brewers. You hear me out on this. I think that they're a team that's always pretty good, but you don't necessarily get the feeling that organizationally they're all in. Um, maybe that changes a little bit with Carlos Correa, um, but, you know, uh, he had to fail a couple of physicals for him to bounce back to the Twins. Hmm. You know, I mean, I don't know. I, I think I think yeah. they're a solid team, um, but just sort of interestingly run. I mean, they trade away the American League batting champ, yeah. right? Yeah. Pablo Lopez. Is, is that a good trade? I don't know. Um, just interesting. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, it is. It is. Um, there's 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 often always something behind that, like the Brewers trading Josh Hader. They had a guy in the wings. Um, no, no one has a. Uh, uh, no, no one has a, a defending batting champ in, in the wings, uh, or very sure. few people do. Uh, but that, yes, I think that's an apt description. I think the Brewers are better consistently. Yeah. But yeah, uh, you got a team that you know it's not like they don't spend money, but then they go. And I'd almost say like the Carlos Correa one was weird. Like, yeah. like are you in or are you not? I mean, but uh, yeah, they they make. Um, they make moves that that work out. They they're kind of that um, what the Padres were sort of thing. Maybe a little better than what the Padres were, right? Because obviously yeah. they they were went to the playoffs occasionally. But it was like kind of what you the, the Twins are what you'd expect a mid market team to be, right? right. Kind of in, kind of not. You know, things got to go right. Um, they do have the good fortune, though it's not as much good fortune now that you only play your division teams uh, thirteen times. Um, I do wonder sometimes why some of these central teams uh, in both leagues uh, don't go a little bit more all in because yeah. you're in the freaking central, all right? Yeah, Tigers and Royals. It yeah. can't be that hard out, right? Yeah, no, I'm with it. Uh, you know, I. You know, go, go, you know, go 90% in and, uh, you know, you're guaranteed second place. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I look forward to this. I haven't been to this ballpark since, what, the All-Star game, uh, the Derek Jeter All-Star game. Uh, back when the Padres were only sending relievers for the most part. Houston Street is here, I believe. That was, my, that was going to be my final question today, Kevin. I know you've been everywhere. Last year you knocked up. Detroit was your last one, right? And you yeah, last yeah. year. Um, where does Target Field rank? It's a nice park. It, it really is. Uh, I don't know that the area around it is. It uh, seems like it's still being built up, and it's not as it's. It's no gas lamp or what a lot of the places have been. It's sort of the fringes of of downtown. Uh, but I love Minneapolis. I really do. It's a great state. If you haven't visited, especially this time of year, going to be great weather. Uh, but it's a, it's a it's a neat ballpark, clean ballpark. Uh, it's hard to get me to not be happy about a ballpark. Uh, it really is. It's tough to mess up baseball. And a hotel that's walking distance from the stadium. That's how you do it. Especially after Mexico City. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Hot Lava Podcast. Kevin, we're going to talk. Next time we talk, it's going to be more Dodgers. And the Dodgers take on the Charger at Padres (gasps) starting this weekend in Los Angeles. For Kevin Acey, I'm Ryan Finley. We'll see you next time. That was Ryan, not me. Ah!